Welcome to the regular podcast from Editorial Intelligence, the media analysis and networking business. You can see all our broadcast interviews on our EITV channel on YouTube and editorialintelligence.com. She's had more than 20 years of putting strategic research together. Her particular brilliance is getting in the room, doing the focus group, actually asking the questions that elicit what people actually feel and think. She was, of course, a a very serious labor insider and wrote a best-selling book about the observations of those years. But I think it's fair to say that she lives and breathes society in some shape or form. And we've asked her and Britain Thinks to uh, produce some research specifically for this conference. And I have no idea what the findings are, so I very much look forward to hearing them. Deborah will then take some Q&As. Deborah, over to you. Great. Thanks very much, Julia. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yes, as Julia said, what we decided to do for this uh, is a a sort of exclusive piece of research um, for the day. uh, And the theme we've taken for the research is to explore what people think, that is to say ordinary members of the public think, about women on the board. Um, I only, I'm afraid I wasn't able to join you for most of this morning, and I only caught the very end of Miriam Gonzalez's really interesting piece. So I don't know to what extent I might answer some of the questions that, that were posed this morning, or indeed complicate things, or frustrate you, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Anyway, what, uh, what we're looking at, so I'll move this way slightly, um, is I'm going to just start by talking a little bit about the issue, the problem, actually, might have been another way of looking at it. Um, very briefly touch on the international context. Then straight into the public, what do the public think? How important do they think the issue is? Or, to put it another way, how much of a problem do they think it is? What might be answers to the problem what might have most impact, so what might actually work. Uh, And then we look at some arguments in favour of more women on the board, getting more women onto the board, and arguments against. And then finally, because I was worried otherwise I was leaving you on rather a downbeat note, um, I'm spending a moment just thinking about what else can be done. So that's what we're going to look at. And I'll start with the issue itself. And, you know, I think that Probably you've already discussed some of this, so apologies if I'm repeating what you've talked about this morning, but as you will all know, uh, women tend to be reasonably well represented in in, in companies, all the way up to the so-called marzipan layer. You all know that expression. I'm sure you've probably used it already this morning, but it's just below the icing. Um, And then it all falls off uh, at board level. And in uh, 2011, women made up 12.5% of board members in FTSE uh, 100 companies and just 78 uh, in FTSE 250 um, of 185 new appointees to boards uh, in, in 2010 to 2011. Um, only 18 were women. Um, and then this is, you know, you, you've probably had this statistic already banded around this morning, but it is pretty awful, is that at the current rate of change, it will take another 70 years, I certainly won't see it happen, uh, before we get gender balance in the boardroom. So, you know, it's not great. Um, international context, I just thought I, I just saw this recently, you probably all saw a very interesting piece in The Economist that, that, that talked a lot about um, some McKinsey work, actually, on this. Um, but it had this uh, chart in it, which I, which I quite liked. Um, the Scandinavian 
countries, I guess, don't surprise us that they do a bit better. Don't know what to say really about Bulgaria and Latvia. Others have probably got uh, probably got more more thoughts on that than I have. But there's there's the UK kind of level pegging with Germany, not in particularly great shape. But there are others that are worse. Look at Luxembourg, just one percent. Don't know what to say about that either. Um, how important is the issue? And this was our start point, really. So we all care. Well, I do anyway. But actually, do the public care? And here's the question that we ask. So you might argue, uh, as a purist, Pulse, to we slightly tip the balance by putting this, this in and, 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 and giving this context. But we did. Anyway, this is what we did. So, so know that. Uh, and know that it's impure in that sense. And we've told people only 7.8% of board members uh, are women. Um, and we asked them then how important they thought it was, and this is how we worded it, how important is it that UK businesses work to get more women into senior positions within their companies? And um, just a few headlines, what we found, about half the population. <laughs> you might guess which half. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you to guess that. I um, think it matters. Um, yes, women are very likely to agree uh, that it's a problem. Um, and interestingly so, are public sector workers very likely to agree? Um, who are the, the, the sort of bêtes in all of this? Well, it's working class men. Um, who like the idea of uh, getting more women on the board least. Um, and an interesting one here in this kind of post-feminist era is that young people, regardless of whether they're men or women, are, are far less likely to have an opinion on this at all. And I think that's also quite interesting. So just a few of those figures then. That's the, that's the figure, 51%. Phew, just made it. Interesting figure. We know what 51% means. It's, you know, women are 51% of the population. 51% said it was very or quite important. Um, yes, I thought you might not be able to see this. This figure here is 64%, the one you can't see, and it's women. 64% um, of women think it matters. So there's quite a few that don't, actually. And 38% of men. So, yes... A quarter of women and over half of men say it doesn't matter at all. Uh, I mentioned those under 24s, and I do think that's quite interesting. And uh, it's not true that they don't have views across the board, but they don't have particularly strong views on this one in some instances. Almost a quarter of them don't have an opinion. And then here we are. We talked. I talked earlier about working-class men. You can see there... Um, it's, it's middle-class women who think it matters most, and it's working-class men who think it matters least. And, uh, as I've already suggested, it's public sector versus private sector. Again, if you work in the public sector, you are more likely to think that this is an issue than if you work in the private sector. So, there are a few sort of headlines. We then went on to look at what some remedies might be. Um, and now there's a lot on that, so I'm just going to pick out some of the things. We gave people a lot of possible remedies or methods, ways of getting more women on the board. We had one that was about quotas. We had one that was about switching um, maternity leave so that either parent could use it. We had one about part-time flexible working. We had one that was about companies publicly setting out their goals in this area. Uh, we had one that talked about um, uh, companies committing to a figure like 25%, and then one that was just about disclosing meaningful information. 
And what did we find? So, the most popular suggestions are those that address what people clearly see as the problem or what they think is underlying the problem, and they think it's all about children. And so they therefore pick solutions that are about childcare and flexible working, and these are the most popular solutions. Setting requirements um, for the increased numbers of women on boards is the least popular approach. And Miriam Gonzalez, I, I literally just walked in as, as somebody said, what do you think about quotas? And she said, I hate quotas. Well, she's not alone. Um, Women, however, are significantly more sympathetic, well, actually, to remedies across the board. They are more supportive of all of the ones that you might suggest. Um, and men are, um, are, are much less so. And men, older men, men over 45, are much less likely than younger men to support some of the different remedies. Um, and support for quotas is low across the board, but it's particularly low amongst men, amongst older people and private sector workers. And I'll just pull out some of those for you to have a look at. So here we've got, um, you know, that this is the pecking... This is a net score, those green bars. So we've taken agrees... Uh, you know, we've subtracted disagrees from agrees. We've ended up with a net score. And then at the right, you can see total numbers of agrees, total disagrees. So going down, we've got, you know, the top scoring one, allowing either parent to use uh, maternity leave. Uh, they're more top-level jobs being offered as part-time or flexible. Then we have um, companies disclosing meaningful information about their appointment processes. Then we have publishing uh, the numbers of women on the board. And then the last two, you can see with the net scores, actually start to tip into the negative. So um, actually committing to 25% of women, actually more people don't like that than like it. And then being made to use quotas, the Q word, no, we don't like that at all. Now, women, women are slightly different. So, again, we've got the net scores here. You can see um, it's, it's uh, almost the same order, but actually nothing in the negative. So women are, across the board, more supportive than men. And here are men, and we see it spinning round. So we actually have, have three things, all the things that implied some kind of uh, force being brought to bear, um, tip into the negative for men. And here I'm looking at age. Now, with women, age does not make a huge amount of difference, as you can see. I mean, in most instances, no, no significant difference on age. But with men, and here the, the darker-coloured bar is um, older men, uh, sorry, is younger men, and the lighter-coloured bar is older men, and you can see it's, again, those older men, men over the age of, of, of 45, don't think there are any in the room, probably, so we're fine, um, who, are, who, who are much less likely to support any of the remedies. I just thought it would be interesting to look at um, you know, breaking out people who thought it was important and people who thought it wasn't important across the board and to see if there was any difference there as well. So uh, the green bar is people who thought that it was important to get more women on the board, and the, the grey bar is people who thought it was not important. And you can see the differences there. Clearly, if you think it's not important, you are far more likely to, less likely to support any of these. And just looking at support for quotas, again, it's that age thing, and this is across the board. We're not looking at men or women here, but you can see that the older that you get... Um, the less supportive you are of the idea of quotas. And again, public versus private. Um, as we've already said, 
um, in terms of general support for more women on the board, uh, public sector workers are also um, more supportive of quotas and private sector workers less so. This just to remind you, it is the population as a whole. This is a representative sample. And then back to those working class men. And there they are. You can see them. Over half of them disagree with the idea of quotas. So we then thought we'd look at this a slightly different way. So, OK, that's whether you agree or disagree. But what might actually work? And here we asked a slightly different question. And it is quite hard for people to park whether they agree or disagree with something. But regardless of whether you agree with it, which of these suggestions would you think would have the biggest impact in increasing the number of women on boards of UK businesses? And people did find it quite hard to park. And actually, the pecking order is broadly the same. But one quite interesting thing is um, the suggestion that, that you know, the 100 biggest companies should commit to a minimum of 25% actually is much more successful when you're asking people what would work rather than what do you actually like. Now, there will be some people in the room who personally think that there should be more um, women on the board and there might be some people in the room who think that there shouldn't. I don't know. Um, but... We thought it would also be interesting to explore which arguments for and against have most resonance. So that's, that's, that's the final thing that I'm going to look at. Arguments in favour, arguments against. What persuades? Now, I'm not expecting you to read this, but we asked a bunch of questions. And if anybody's interested, by the way, we've put this whole presentation on our Britain Thinks website, so, so do have a look. You can download the, the charts. You're welcome to them. Um, so, but we had... Uh, a number of different arguments in favour. One was a basic um, fairness argument. Uh, one was about ignoring talent. One was about uh, customers, your customers. A lot of your customers are women. Surely, if you have more women on the board, you can relate better to those female customers. One was about women um, bringing a different culture to companies if they were on the board. Um, one was saying, basically, men have screwed up. <laughs> uh, so let's let women have a go. We thought it was worth a try, anyway. Um, <laughs> another was about kids, um, taking responsibility for looking after kids. Another was about long hours culture. And another was an unfairness thing put another way. It's unfair that having children, uh, having childcare responsibilities, should mean that um, women are less well represented on board. So, as I say, I won't go through the, the wording on that, but if there's any, anybody's interested, see me afterwards or, or look on our website. So, what do we find? Key findings. Um, well, the first thing is um, quite interesting, I think. There's, there's strong agreement that childcare responsibilities are the main barrier uh, to women's ability to reach board level. Far fewer uh, respondents, though, are willing to label this as unfair. So we asked that question slightly different ways. One of them said, it is unfair that, uh, and people were more reluctant to do that. Similarly, a bold statement that simply said, it is unfair that more women aren't on the board was rejected. Um, it was the second lowest scoring. Um, the argument that resonated best with both men and women is about the business case, essentially, um, is talking about serving your customers, your women customers, better if you have more senior women. 
the two most popular arguments for increasing representation of women kind of echo the support for uh, better, you know, for childcare provision, for flexible working, uh, shared maternity leave, and so on. And I think one of the interesting things, look at the one that's at the bottom there, uh, what people definitely resisted, so don't think about using this, girls, um, what people definitely resisted was an argument that said men have screwed up. So even if you think that, keep it to yourself. It doesn't persuade. Um, or at least it only persuaded in this instance, um, you know, a net 16%. Uh, as I've already said, whilst, whilst a lot of people felt that childcare was the biggest barrier to women's achievement, people didn't like to see this labelled as unfair. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's just quite important you can see here. So at the top, looking after children is the biggest reason that women tend not to reach board level top scoring. But it is unfair that having childcare responsibilities means that women are less well represented, falls right down. So again, it's, it's, you know, it's a, a sophisticated nuance, but quite interesting in terms of how you, how you put that. Across women, as you might expect, um, levels of support for these arguments was quite high. Um, they supported pretty much all of them. They even quite liked uh, the idea that, that, that men have screwed up, um, although that was the least successful for them. Um, and, you know, you're not going to be very surprised by this, but there was less support across the board for these arguments in favour with men. Um, and they really didn't like being told that they'd screwed up. Um, that, that tips into a, a net uh, negative. So we then thought we also should look at the arguments against uh, getting more women on the board to see uh, which of those were the most powerful. And again, I, I won't, I won't uh, run through all of these, but we had one that said it's wrong to artificially engineer more women onto boards. Um, we had another that, that sort of started from a premise of saying, well, while it is wrong that there aren't more women on the board, um, you know, we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't be forcing companies to do something about this. Um, we had one that said companies should just choose the best people for the job, regardless of their gender. Uh, trying to ensure a gender balance on the board is just tokenism, was another. Um, the fact that there are fewer women on boards um, is just a reflection of the fact that women are less ambitious. Interesting. Um, or it's discriminating against men. So those were, those were the options and um, some of the top findings. So overwhelmingly, the argument that companies should just choose the best person for the job uh, was the winner. I'll, I'll show you that in a minute. Um, men were happier to agree that uh, artificial engineering shouldn't go on um, than they were to concede that it was wrong in the first place that there were more women on the board. Um, the arguments which divided the two genders most sharply was the one about discriminating against men. Uh, and the only argument against increasing women's representation which men disagreed with was the idea that women were less ambitious. So Men don't think women are less ambitious. So let's just look how that pans out. So overwhelmingly, and actually, of all the statements we test in the whole survey, this was the one that gets the highest score. So just know this is the argument that, 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 that is going to be used most effectively against more women on the board is it doesn't matter. Just go for the best person. Um, then we have wrong to artificial engineer, um, then, whilst it is wrong that there aren't more women, um, the answer isn't about promoting tokenism, forcing companies um, uh, to have more women is discriminating against men. And then the one that people didn't agree with at all, which was that women are less um, ambitious. 
and I'll just show uh, some of the, the, the gender differences here. So, so 30% of women still agree uh, with the idea that women tend to be less ambitious. That's quite interesting, isn't it? A third of women still think that. And men were supportive of every argument. Men liked those arguments against more women on the board. And the only one that they didn't like, actually, was the bottom one. Again, they, they, they were not so willing to say uh, that women are not ambitious. So, so there we have it. Um, I didn't want to end on what I felt was quite a downbeat note. So I, <laughs> I just lifted some stuff from the, uh, from the Economist uh, argue, uh, uh, article with just some initiatives that companies have done uh, that have been successful. So Shell, running a company-wide career development programme for talented women, Time Warner, diversity and succession plans for top management, each division has to review them annually, Uh, Vodafone, a one plus one uh, programme requiring all managers to put an additional woman on each team for every year. Uh, and Deutsche Telekom focusing on the, that marzipan layer and, and doing a lot, working really hard with that marzipan layer. Lots of things that can be done that aren't about quotas. But the thought that I wanted to leave you with was, you know, as I say, I walked in at the tail end of what sounded like a brilliant um, session with M- Miriam Gonzalez. I think maybe, um, you know, companies can learn from politics. And as Julia said, I've, I've got a kind of long association with the Labour Party who I think genuinely have showed leadership here and said, we know it's not popular with voters, but you know what? We're going to do it anyway. And it's actually Miriam Gonzalez's point about temporary quotas. What Labour said was, we will get temporary quotas in place until we reach our target of 50% candidates and it's working, while the Conservatives are lagging behind, just 16% of their MPs are women. So, there you are. You can ignore that advice if you want, but that's what I would do. Thanks. Kate Grusing from Sapphire Partners. This morning, I can't recall which speaker it was, um, one of the speakers trotted out the quote that... um, in Lord Davies' inquiry, 89% of women were against quotas. And I, like I'm sure many of the women in this room, filled in that survey. And it was really terribly worded and um, I think got that biased answer. Um, the Lord Davies inquiry that looked at women on boards that reported in February. Right. And who was the sample for that? Anyone who wanted to reply. So it was, it was, (laughs) okay, but sorry, I rest my case. I mean, you've got a self-selecting sample there and arguably people were more motivated to oppose than they were to support. So, so what I'd love to encourage you to do with this very robust survey is to refute why that 89% is not a valid figure to use. And, you know, I think also looking at it in quite a nuanced way, asking a 21-year-old woman, what does she think of quotas? I'm sorry, I don't think that's very relevant. Ask a 51-year-old woman, and I think she brings a life experience that's more relevant. So so I would love to hear your thoughts on that, as well as encourage you to... Yeah. Um, amplify these yeah. results. Well, actually, that's, thank you for pointing that out. And I will... I mean, I'm planning to sort of write, write this up now and write about it a little bit, and I shall definitely do that. But, I mean, you know... I mean, self-selecting surveys can be very useful as long as you understand that's what they are, but what, it, you know, what happens is often the people who are motivated to respond do so because they have an axe to grind. Obviously, what we've got here is just a completely random you know, and representative sample of the, of, of the public, and this is what we got. It's still not great, I have to say, on the quota front, as you can see, um, but, but, but you know, women certainly support 
support more than that, yeah. My name's Louise Allen-Jones, I'm a literary Hi. scout. Um, just another observation about the 24-year-old um, yeah. and below reluctance to say whether they care about women on boards. Mm. Um, I have another theory, which is that until you're 24, when you're trying to get a job, if you're middle class and you've done a university education, <laughs> that's the time when it starts to, to really bite. I'd be interested to know what you think the reason is below 24 in particular. That's... You know, they're, they're, they've done a degree or they've done some sort of qualification by that point if they're, you know, that way inclined. Yeah. I mean, my... I mean, what would be really interesting to do with this is now to do some qualitative work to kind of really get underneath some of this, this data. It's very often the case when you do a big quantitative su survey, it actually poses as many questions as it answers, and I think this is, this is one case in point. My own hunch is actually, you know, along the lines that you were setting out, that for the 24-year-old, it's quite, you know, you know, young women are excelling, they're doing really well, they're, you know, they're, they're getting more places in medical school, all of that. They don't realise, <laughs> they don't know what's around the corner. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, older, older women are the ones that do know because they've kind of been through it. I don't know. That's my theory, but I, it would be very interesting to really understand that. I, I don't actually have... I, I would like to do some qualitative work now to look at this, and, yeah, we may, we may well, yeah, and if we do, we'll certainly share it. Thank you. Sophie Gunter. Um, I'd just like to sort of put a bit of a positive thought on this, which is that I think the IMF is a good thing to look at at the moment. Um, after Dominic Strauss-Kahn, we have Lagarde. We have a mm. Julia, another great Julia, in Australia. We had Margaret yes. Thatcher here. India, Turkey, Angela Merkel. Um, I think that maybe women have to be that much better to get to the head of what they do. Um, my mother was head of public relations for Harrods when I was born. Um, I just think that People have to fight harder. I think that what you, your point about the um, younger generation, I don't think that the 20-year-olds now are going to be having the same response. I think this is going to be a generational thing that will, that will be consigned to history a little bit as, mm. as the younger generation grows up. Mm. But I just think that there are fantastic women who are doing fantastic things, and I'm, pos I'm very hopeful. And the Conservative Party do have a great number of women in government as well. <laughs> okay, don't think that, was, that wasn't really a question anyway. <laughs> sure, yeah. Can we thank Deborah again for that research? And it is on the website. I've already posted the link very helpfully.